It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. This morning we want to talk about marriage. Tonight, be sure and come back at 7. Here's our title tonight. We're going to talk about training children that trump the world. <laughs> that rings a bell, doesn't it? Trump the world. You can train kids. You won't Listen, you won't train perfect kids. No matter how good you do, no matter how wonderful a parent you are, and you need to be a wonderful parent, but you will not raise perfect kids. But you can raise kids that the Bible promises that even if they get away from God, they'll come back. Something is invested in them. So we're going to talk about how to do that tonight. This morning, here's my subject title. We're going to talk about marriage. And we're going to talk about the triangle of marriage. The triangle of marriage. What does that mean, Brother Ken? Well, you know, when you study the Bible, in fact, there's a wonderful book that is one of my reference books I use all the time called Number in Scripture by E.W. Bullinger. And numbers have significance with God. Numbers uh, declare certain principles about God, and there's revelation in numbers. And uh, so this morning, we're, we're talking about a triangle, the triangle of marriage, and triangle is related with the number three. And in the Bible, the number three is one of the four perfect numbers. The perfect numbers are the, the numbers of completion are three, seven, ten, and twelve. But three is the number, uh, it's a triangle that I believe that, or that number really speaks to us about marriage and how to connect our marriage. And when you think about this number three, it's very significant in the Bible. It's mentioned 467 times. For instance, in Jesus' ministry, uh, remember Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prayed three times. Uh, He was placed on the cross at nine o'clock in the morning, which the Bible tells you this, it was the third hour. That's what it was called. Uh, As he hung on the cross, there were three hours of darkness uh, from 12 p.m., which was called the sixth hour, which is a multiple of three, until the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, there was darkness on the face of the earth. I don't know if that was clouds. I don't know if that was an eclipse. But darkness came when Jesus died on the cross that day. He died the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, and then he was raised again on the third day. So the number three has great significance. And when you think about God, God is sort of like a triangle because God is one. You know, the triangle is one uh, emblem or symbol, if you will. But also there are three different sides. There are three different parts of God. God is one, but God is three. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And uh, really when you think about that, it's like a picture of family too because family is a big deal with God. In fact, the, 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 uh, the Trinity is sort of like a family. In fact, when my son was a little boy, he came to Trudy one day, and, uh, you know, little kids can pick up on things. And he said, Mama, if God is the Father and Jesus is the Son, who is the mother? And when you think about it, the mother is sort of like the Holy Spirit, although, although the Holy Spirit is a man, he's a male, but the, the attributes of the Holy Spirit are much like a woman because the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is, is more the nurturer of the family. And so you see in God, you see a family because God, uh, a family is important to God. So marriage, whenever we talk about marriage as a triangle, a triangle of marriage, it's the only relationship in the world or in the earth 
that joins three people at all the different levels of life. Joins two people. Excuse me. I said that wrong. Join. No, marriage is two. Everybody say two. <laughs> Brother Ken, you're getting weird. No, no, no. Marriage is two, but we're joined on three levels of life, right? What do you mean by that? Well, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Is everybody tracking with me so far? 1 Thessalonians 5 describes you and me as human beings and the threefold nature that we have. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, that means set you apart completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's three different parts of you as a person. And really, the way it listed is the order of, of the way you are, because you are a spirit, a soul, and a body. And you can look at it this way. You really are a spirit, but you have a soul and a body, because the real you is a spirit. And it's interesting that in the earth, that's a part of you that you can't see. It's invisible. But the core of your being is you are a spirit being. And Jesus came to give us new life in all three of these areas. But it begins by giving you not a reworked one or, a, you know, it's like a retreaded, but he gave, you, he gave you a brand new heart. You are made a new creature in Christ. Well, you know, you read that and you, you think, well, you didn't change on the outside when you got saved. But on the inside, you did. It's a miracle. It's the biggest miracle that, that a human being could ever witness. But it's invisible, so we don't see it that way sometimes. But you're made a brand new. See, God wants to work from the inside out because then the, part, the other parts of you are your soul or your mind, and that's your, that includes your thinker, that includes your emotions, that includes your will, your decider. See, we are created as human beings in the image of God, which means you have a decider. And although Jesus loves you, he did everything he could to bring you and me back to God, he will not make anybody get saved. It's a decision you had to make. You made a good decision this morning. You had an option. You could have laid in bed and been comfortable and enjoyed your morning, but you decided, no, I'm going to give up, get up. I'm going to put on some clothes on this body, and I'm going to come to church. Turn to somebody beside you and say, you made a really good choice today. So this is a threefold uh, uh, picture of mankind. And, and let me just say this. If your marriage is going to fulfill all it's called to do in the earth, and your marriage is the most important relationship you're ever going to have, then you have to work on all three of these areas because they just don't happen automatically. Marriage is something that you have to, you know, good marriages don't, don't just fairy dust land it on you and you just have a perfect, perfect marriage because marriage is a challenge because you're in it. And God wants it to be good, and God wants it to be the, the center of everything that happens good to you in life, but there's some things we're going to have to work on. So we're going to break these down this morning. We're gonna, we have three points about each one. We're going to talk a little bit about your, uh, your spirit, your soul, and your body, and how that, that we can be more adept at connecting with our mate in all these areas. So first of all, let's not begin with the spirit. Let's begin with the soul. First of all, let's talk about the mind. Uh, which is part of that triangle. Our soul, that's our will, our emotions, your decider. And uh, to go to Genesis chapter 2, let's look at verse 18, which means that uh, we have to connect in our thinking in our marriage as men and women. But the challenge of that 
is found here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And let's look, let's look at it. I'm reading from the King James, the original King James. And the reason I'm doing it, this is because of, of, of a couple of words that you find here that are Hebrew word. That I'm going to tell you the Hebrew definition, but are very revealing as to how we are to think in our marriage. Okay, let's read it. Genesis 2, 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Now, what's going on at this time? God has created Adam. God's put him in the garden. Uh, Adam has a job, which men need a job, right? It's important that men work because we find our fulfillment and our respect in what we put our hand to in life. He's got a job. He's got a place to live. He's, uh, he, he's, been, he's been given his assignment, and he's all ready. But God looks at this situation, and the, for the first time, God makes a declaration that something that he made is not good. He said, it's not good that this guy's alone. Now, he's walking with God. He's got animals all around him, got the giraffe, the elephant, the rhinoceros, probably got his own hunting dog by now, right? Maybe he's been deer hunting. I don't know. I was just in Pastor Rusty's office, and he's a big-time deer hunter, right? So whatever, but, but God said, it's not good as he's alone. So God makes this declaration, I will make him and help meet for him. Help, now it says, it says help meet, right? Not help mate. In fact, I've heard it preached, help me, but that's not what it says. And I, I want you to see it in the original King James because uh, she's not just to be your little helpmate to go get you tea, see. She's your help meet. Now, there's two Hebrew words. The word help is a Hebrew word, ezer, which means actually help. Or uh, the book of Ezra means God is my help in the Old Testament. So it actually does mean help. But the word meet, you really don't get the import unless you dig into it. It is the Hebrew word neged. And it actually means a helper, but a helper opposite. Hmm. Or a helper against. Or you could say it this way, a helper with a different opinion. Oh, my Lord, does it ring any bells? She has a different opinion than you, but she wants to help you. In fact, there's this thing working in women all the time. I've learned this about marriage, and she always wants to help you even when you don't want her to help you. That's why when you pull up to a traffic light and you're the guy and you're driving because you're in charge because you're the leader and you know how to drive and you understand how traffic lights work. When, it, when it's red, we stop. Yellow means, you know, slow down, and but sometimes you fly through the light. But, but green means you can go. So you're sitting there, and it's red, and your wife is up there. And she's got this help thing working in her 24 hours a day. And before the light turns green, I mean, it's pink. It's going to green. But it's not there yet. Then she is trying to help you. She, she leans over and says, you can go now. It's green. I know, honey. I know, I know how it works. I got eyes. Always helping, always asking questions too. Because women help by asking questions. I don't know if your wife does this, but we're in traffic. I'm talking about traffic. We're in traffic and we're going down the freeway. And you know how it is when you're flying down the freeway and there's a truck in this lane you're passing, but you kind of feel like this truck is kind of scooting over a little too much? And here's Trudy asks me this all the time Does he see you? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know what he's thinking. And then she wants me to explain the, the thing. Why? Because she wants to help, see, even when I'm not looking for it. This is the way women work. 
But understand this, she's not doing that to frustrate you. Two things. First of all, God put that in her because there's times you need help as a guy. I'm talking to men right now. But then God put that different opinion, that helper with a different opinion with you to take you to a higher level of life because two are better than one. Did you know that? See, God designed this thing for marriage. It's kind of like you could look at it this way. It's kind of like a, a chemistry term called the periodic table of the elements. You heard of that? And there's a few raw elements in life that when they come together, they create life on a whole other level. For instance, water is H2O. Hydrogen and oxygen mixed properly creates water, which you've got to have to live. But if you just have hydrogen and oxygen before they bond, everybody say bond. See, this is the key. Two different elements bonding, it creates life. Sodium and chloride are toxic if you took them into your body. They could kill you. They're poison. Like you just take a little sodium, you take a little chloride, it's, it's dangerous. But when they come together and bond, everybody say bond, it creates salt, which you must have in your body to live. See, God designed marriage to bring two different people together in covenant relationship to learn how to operate and think and honor and respect each other's thoughts because that way you'll go to a higher level of life. So we have to work on this one. Number two is the body. See, you're, you are a spirit. You have a soul, but you live in a body. And remember, marriage is the only relationship that joins two people on all three levels. So did you know God created sex to be enjoyed in the bonds of commitment of covenant marriage, right? Now, let's look at this. Genesis 2.24, just a couple of verses down. The woman comes on the scene, and God makes this declaration. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. You know, this was a, this was a wedding ceremony in the garden, and they were joined. Uh, and he leaves his father and mother. You know, one of the number one re reasons for marital dysfunction and trouble is mother-in-law issues. Yeah, and I'll move on past that. And uh, <laughs> the man is to leave his father and mother. I didn't have this in my notes, but honey, come up here and tell the story about when Josh got married and what God did with you. You want to stay? You want to stay down there? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I I've dealt with this some um, in counseling. <laughs> is it sometimes it's just hard for mamas to let go. You know, uh, when, when Josh got married, and, and I always had a real good relationship with my son and my daughter as well, but when he got married and, and his little fiancé came into his life, I realized that I needed to step back and allow her to grow. Because, you know, the thing about a mother is you think you know what's best. I mean, you do. You, you labored for five days to have him. So, you know, you got some rights here. You know the first time he got a scratch. You know what he likes to eat. You know when he's sick. When he gets sick, his ears get a little red. And you, oh, he doesn't feel good. You know, you, mom, that's how moms are. They know everything. If, you know, the minute I see my kids, I can tell if, I mean, that's just a mom. Moms are good at body, women are good at body language anyway. But a mom's real good at it. But the thing is, this is, the day he was getting married, I'm in the church, and I'm sitting about right where you guys are. He's standing here, and he's waiting for the, his little bride to come. And I remember watching his face, and I, it was this, the coolest thing, just watching his face. 
because the joy on his face and just something, you know, as a mom, you just think, this is so awesome. He's waiting on his bride to come. And she starts down, here she comes. The music starts, she starts down the aisle, and I glance back at her, and she looks so beautiful. And he's looking at her, and she's looking at him, and tears are rolling down her, I mean, it's just one of those romantic moments. And then for a split, a split second, my son was looking at her, and then he just glanced over at me like this. Oh, my heart. Woo! But then, as fast as he looked, he looked right back at her. And I thought, it's over, Mama. <laughs> no, this is what the Lord showed me that day. Is in those emotional moments when you're allowing change with your children. I remember uh, the Lord told me, he said, you've been a good mama. And he's been a good daddy. And you've done what you needed to do. But he said, all you have is an anointing to be a mama. She has got an anointing to be a wife. And you'll never have that and they'll never cross. She's the one that will take him to the next level and will complete him. And, he's, and this is what he said to me. He said, mamas make boys, but wives make men. Because see, a mama, if, if her son's not feeling well, you need to go to bed, and you need to lay down, and I need to get you some chicken soup. And this is a wife. I know you don't feel good. I don't either. We got five kids. Get up and go to work. It's like Navy SEAL stuff. Let's go, buddy. You can do it. You can do it. But see, that's the difference. In a <laughs> Anyway, I made my point. <laughs> oh, praise God. So they shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And look, look at verse 25. And they were both naked. It's in the Bible. The man and a woman. And they were not ashamed. What's God doing? He's, he's blessing the union of sex. You know the devil didn't create sex? God did. And it's a good thing, but it has to be done in the bonds and the covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant is a commitment word. It's a joining word. And, and it's amazing that two people are joined together in the sight of God. You still are in, an individual, but you know on the sight of God you are one. The only thing that becomes one is when you receive Christ into your heart. And you become one with him, and he's one with you. And how, did that work? how does that work? I'm not really sure, but that's what the Bible says. So sex is an important part of your relationship. But men and women look at it differently because of the, of the way we're created. And let me give you the top three needs of men and see how this is on the list for men. Uh, the number one need for men is respect and admiration. Men would be, rather be respected than loved. Did you know that? Women need to be loved and cared for. And men need to be loved, but on, the, on their list, I want to be respected. That's why you get a group of guys together. You know, women, when they come together, it's just very, they connect very easily. And they see each other, and, and they, the way they talk, say, oh, I like your outfit. That looks good. And uh, look at your shoes. Girl, those are so cute. And do you have children, grandchildren? And, they, and you know, they just connect. Oh, I love your hair. Your hair so, ladies are always telling Trudy they like her hair because she's got cool hair. We were getting on an airplane one day, and a and flight attendant told, told her, I like your hair, and so I, I'm kind of crazy. I said, how do you like mine? She said, it's okay. She wasn't impressed. But uh, <laughs> men need respect. Number two, men need companionship. They need camaraderie. 
That's one of the big reasons men get married. They want somebody to live life with and a partner. But then number three on the, on the needs, uh, the list for men is sex. Came in number three. Now, on the woman's list, this is interesting, it came in number 13. After gardening. Man, when I read that, that bothered me for days. But it did make me interested about gardening more. I thought, what's in gardening here? Did you know, I found this too, that, uh, that, that, that there are days, that the days that men like to make love. I'll begin with a T. Yeah, Tuesdays, Thursdays, today, tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday. Pretty much, pretty much any time. Now, see, here's the deal about men. This, this is why God created this. Sex brings you back together, re- redefines your connection. And men, one of the things that happens to them is when they connect sexually with their wife, then they, uh, they, they open up emotionally. But here's the way ladies work, guys. Uh, when ladies, uh, when you connect with them emotionally, in other words, you talk to them, you care for them, you, you do things that show you care for them, then they're more apt to connect with you sexually. And we're both very different. But we have to respect and honor each other and the way that we think. Well, let me say this. Uh, I'll close with this on this point. God bless the sexual relationship only in, confine, in the confines and covenant of marriage. I'll say it again. And we're living in a society that, you know, this term hooking up, maybe if you're from my generation, you don't know much about that. But that is everywhere in the millennials right now. And this term, you can get on the Internet and you can find this everywhere in all sorts of ways that, that you can do this. And casual sex is just an accepted thing. But it produces all sorts of bad things in your life because it's not God's way. An emotional uh, uh, detachment and attachment. And it does so much harm and damage that, that the Holy Spirit wants to help you heal. But we have to do this God's way. We have to understand what's going on in society. So God designed sex to be a connector. And then the last one is God wants us to be connected spiritually. Look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. Uh, And did you know when Eve came on the scene, not only was she created from uh, the Bible talks about that she came from the rib of man, right? You know, that's, and that's King James. You know, that's not a really good rendering. Actually, in the Hebrew, that word actually means from the side of man, which is, you know, when you think about a rib, a uh, woman came from the rib, and that's kind of a common term. Uh, but you think about, well, that's kind of insignificant because we have a lot of ribs, right? I mean, you got ribs on this side, you got a rib cage, ribs on this side. And uh, surely you could lose one rib, and it wouldn't be that big a deal. See, because rib speaks of insignificance. You wouldn't go to a restaurant today and order a rib. I'll have a rib. No, why? It's not enough. You need ribaza, right? But really, this term, this term rib, that's not a good term. Really, what that means is in the Hebrew language, in fact, you'll find this in the Amplified, God took the side of man. And it, it's like God, whenever Eve came, it's like Adam was cut in two. You see, you can't live with, you can live without a rib, but you can't live without a side. And God's stating that this man is never going to be the same now because of uh, the, the two become one. 
And uh, so Genesis 2.23, let's read this scripture. And when this is the first time Adam saw Eve. He's coming out of the anesthetic. Can you imagine? And all he's ever seen is animals and, you know, beautiful scenery. But he's been used to looking at elephants and giraffes. And now he wakes up and God says, Adam, and I, don't, don't you know this was cool? It, it was real. This really happened. God says, Adam, this is your wife. And he goes, and he said these immortal words, hubba, hubba, hubba. No, he didn't say that. But he said, uh, wow. And he makes an immediate commitment. He must have liked her because he says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. In other words, he recognized she's part of me now, and I'm part of her. She shall be called woman. He makes this declaration because she was taken out of man. Now, the name for man that has been uh, common up to now just changed. And Trudy's going to come tell you what that means. Come on back. All right. Um, let's go back to that verse and read it one more time. Genesis 2:23. And Adam said, "This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man." Now, like Ken said, up to this point, the word man there, if you look in your Strong's concordance or most concordances, uh, the word man there is uh, Adam or blood man or human being. But at this point, this is the first time it changes. The word now has changed uh, to the word ish. And ish means fire or passion or purpose. Uh, the word woman there is the word isha, which means came from fire, came from passion, and now she has a purpose in his life. Actually, what happened here was when, when Eve was created, and the marriage vows or the marriage took place there in the garden that day. It changed Adam. The anointing to be man and wife came on both of them. And it was a fire. And fire is good if it's contained. When it's contained, like if you have a fire in the fireplace, it's good. If it gets outside of that, it's not. And uh, these two words are very interesting because the word ish uh, has one of the letters in Hebrew has one of the letters of the names of God, of God in it. Man's uh, ish ish is the man has yod or or uh, it would be a, a, a yah is what it would be part of the word yah and isha's name isha she has the hay in it the yod and the hay which makes yah which is one of the names of God as in hallelujah. Yah. So you see that God created this fire in each. There was a part of God in each one of them. But when they joined the fire, then you got the name of God, which meant from the very beginning, he intended to be right in the middle of that marriage for it to work. And when he's in the middle of the marriage, the fire that burns in both of you brings purpose. It brings uh, anointing. It brings creativity. It brings a passion for life. A passion to build. See, up until that time, there was no way for Adam to build. He couldn't build anything as far as family or legacy because he had no one to, to live life with. He was the only species that could speak and create with his words. All the other, there was a lot of animals, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't build anything. They couldn't speak anything. They couldn't communicate with him or plan or, or, or look to the future. I mean, like this building. You think about the building you're about to build. 
This building has come because of the imagination and the, and the, the vision and the passion of a pastor and his wife in this church. But it takes people to build that. It takes relationships to build that. And see, when she came on the scene and Adam saw her, he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And together we will build. We will uh, uh, cause God's dream to come true. We'll have a family together. We'll build a, a, a kingdom of God on this earth. See, that's what life and relationships are all about. That's why Satan fights our marriages, because there's nothing more powerful on this earth than a marriage that's strong, that's in agreement, that builds together. Because that's one of the highest prayer powers there are is when two agree. And there's nothing like marriage agreement. And so at this point, you see the triangle was that it was to be Adam and Eve and God with the fire of God in the middle of their marriage. So what did Adam and Eve lose at the fall when they sinned? God said, you'll surely die. What they lost was God in the middle. And he's gone now. I mean, he's still out here, but he's not in here anymore. They lost God in the middle, middle. But that's what Jesus came to do, to get back in the middle of you and then in the middle of your marriage. And uh, without our connection to him, you know, Trudy and I, when we got married, we loved each other. But within a few months, we're about to kill each other because we don't know how to get along. But here's the major thing. We didn't know God. But when God came, there's this, like this new passion. It still wasn't perfect. We have to work on it. But now there's a passion to do it, you know? And, and, and then our kids came along. There's a passion to raise our kids. And without God in the middle, I think, I, I don't know where we would be. Because she got saved, and then he's in the middle of her, and she began to pray for me. And God began to dog me because of her prayers. And, and then I got saved. And now he's in the middle of both of us, and we begin to learn. And, you know, Trudy was raised, and I'll tell this quickly, but when she was four years old, she took a fall, which triggered a birth defect, which caused her eyes to cross. And she grew up with crossed eyes. But you, did you notice this morning? Her eyes aren't crossed anymore. On her 18th birthday at a home prayer meeting, they laid hands on her, and she was miraculously healed of crossed eyes. She'd had four surgeries growing up, could not be fixed. Her eyes went straight. Her vision, 20-20, she threw her glasses away. Without God in the middle, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have had babies. We wouldn't have had children, see. You heard her story. We wouldn't have Brooke, who came along first, my daughter. Her husband's a gymnastics coach for Christ in Tulsa. He's got a business that's built with Christian principles, and they have two little girls. They wouldn't have been around. My son, who's the younger one, wouldn't have a church in Oklahoma City that he planted a year and a half ago, and now is running 240 people. And on Easter Sunday, they had over 750, over 50 people got saved. Hallelujah. They had a big cry, and that wouldn't have happened. Think about it. God in the middle. See, we got to keep God in the middle. We wouldn't have been in ministry for 30-plus years. See, God in the middle is what changes everything. Remember the triangle? It's the man and the woman on the, on the sides. But the thing is you keep reaching for God who's at the top, and it completes it, and you become all you're called to be. You're called to be something in this earth for God. You're called to get saved and then your life to count and be meaningful. So when you check out of here, if the rapture doesn't happen and you check out, then your life would have had purpose. That's God's plan. And wherever you are with that today, I want you to know he wants to hook up with you. I'm talking about Jesus hookup. It's a good hookup. Would you close your eyes and uh, bow your heads for just a moment?
And, and be there anybody here today, say, Brother Ken, I'm not right with God. I need Jesus in the middle of my situation. You may be suffering. Something's going on with you. And if you don't know Jesus, it is. You don't have an answer. And you're flailing and you're, you're, you, you need help. If you would like prayer this morning to meet Jesus, to begin a new path, won't you raise your hand up? We want to pray with you before the service is over. Anybody like that? Just raise your hand up. We're not going to embarrass you, but we do. Church is a place where people get right with God and get strength and help. And God doesn't want you to leave here this morning without change coming into your life if you came in here looking for Jesus. Anybody like that as I wait for just a moment? And one more thing with your eyes closed, heads about, you may be here say, Brother Ken, you know, I really need help with my marriage. There's things that, that we just, you know, they, they happen, and I want God to help me to be in the middle. I'm willing to make some changes, but I need Jesus. I need a new touch from God in our marriage. You know what? If you're married today, it'd be okay if everybody in here raised a hand because we all need God. If that's you, raise your hand up quickly. Let me see those hands. It's like a step of faith. Yes, and Father, we pray this morning for all these people that have lifted up their hand. We know marriage can be a tough deal. But, Lord, we want to be committed to it because it's your idea. And through this union, to, we want to have your purpose come about. And, Father, I pray for every marriage this morning that's here, particularly those that lifted up their hands in faith. And I pray for new connections, new, new places of discussion, uh, open hearts for change. Because, Lord, until we're willing to change, you can't change us. But I pray for that for this church because you have a great purpose for this church, for them to fulfill a great mission on this island. And, and brother, you asked me if I had a word from God. I have it now. For the Lord would say, I have called you for a mighty and a divine purpose. And I have brought you, and I have surely raised up this church and I, the Lord, would declare that great things will happen from this body. And it's only just begun. And the future is bright. And as you move ahead in faith and in vision to attack and to take what I have for you, surely as a church the blessing of God will be revealed here. And surely in your family the blessing of God will be revealed. And many, many that are crying out, that they don't even know, but they're reaching out for a God that they don't understand. They will be uh, brought here and led here, and you will bring many of them, and change will come about on this island, for the glory of God will be seen in the last days, says the Lord, and surely it will be seen in this place, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for that. Amen. 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 I'm just about done. But listen, I went to Starbucks this morning early. And that's a, that's a really good thing to do early in the morning. And, and I'm, I'm just in line to get my coffee. And, and I heard a couple of guys talking. And I wasn't eavesdropping, but you know how it is. And this one guy was saying, yeah, last week I went to the Catholic church. I'm just looking. I'm just looking. And that's all he said because he didn't find it yet. And I thought there's people. That's one example. But we need to open up our ears because there's people all around you and they're looking for God and they don't know what He looks like. And God wants you to help people. See, God wants the church in general, but God wants you. And God wants you to invite people and touch people's lives. This is what it's all about. We're living in a time there, there's a great revival coming. I believe that. I believe it's already started. 
Just a, a, a couple of weeks ago, I went with my son to a group of young pastors, church planners, and they had a, they had like a coaching meeting, and and I listened to these young men because you know I'm not a young young man anymore, but I was so um, inspired at the visions in these young people in their hearts and, and how they're they're reaching into their communities with new ideas and and fresh ideas, and I thought the church is alive and well, and it's a great great day. Praise God. So bless you. We had a great time being with you this morning. Thanks for uh, allowing us to come, Pastor Lee and Rusty. And don't you dare lay at home tonight. Listen, there's no football. There's nothing going on tonight. No good TV shows on. Come back and hear what it means to raise children that trump the day. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.